Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey everybody, today on The Vergecast, we have OnePlus CEO Pete Lau. Pete sat down with us last week at the Consumer Electronics Show, and by us, I mean myself, I'm Dieter Bone, and Neelai Patel, who usually hosts the interview show. He sat down right after he had unveiled a concept phone that he had made. It was a OnePlus Concept One McLaren edition, and it had this special glass that was able to dynamically cover up the cameras if uh, you wanted to. Just a concept, but still really interesting to talk about. We also talked about a bunch of other stuff. We got into his feelings about folding phones and also 5G. It was a really fun conversation, and one thing I'll point out is that Pete is not a native English speaker, so we spoke to him through an interpreter, and he said it was his very first podcast ever, which, you know, made me feel really special. Anyway, great conversation. One of the first podcasts we're going to bring you from CES amongst a bunch more that are coming, so check it out. Pete Lau is the CEO of OnePlus. Welcome. Thank you. And uh, your interpreter, Eric Goss, is here, so hello. Hey, everyone. Thank you. So you're probably going to be hearing more of Eric's voice, but we're actually asking the questions to Pete, so we're going we're gonna to start. Uh, and Dieter is here as well. Hey, hey how's it going? So, uh, <laughs> Dieter, you've already played with the OnePlus concept phone here at CES, and we've got a bunch of questions about it. But first, Pete, just tell us about it. Tell us about the glass on the back that uh, changes tints to hide the cameras. Why did you decide to make a phone like this? This is for OnePlus, the OnePlus Concept One represents a first bold exploration for us in terms of delivering a concept phone and for what the future form factor of a smartphone could look like. And what's particularly exciting about this is there's a electrochromic glass panel on the back that can hide the cameras. So the way that works is when charged, the electrochromic panel is opaque and the camera modules underneath three of them in this case, are hidden. Um, and what this is exciting for is in the future with the potential for more and more camera modules, and we've already seen some of this in the industry, added to a device, this technology has the potential for all of those modules to be hidden and to create a very clean, uninterrupted design on the back of the smartphone device. We've seen that different players in the industry are trying to look at ways for the camera modules to be organized or hidden. So this is something that's definitely on the minds of people in the industry. Um, but what's exciting about it is, again, the camera modules are visible when they're in use and otherwise they can remain hidden. So is the point of the technology primarily about design or is there some other features that it can offer the user? So for us, 
delivering beautiful design in our products is at the core of what we try to do in everything that we create. And we see it as something that's very important in the eyes of users and something that we want to try to push towards the absolute limit and what OnePlus creates. But what's exciting here is this isn't only a demonstration of potentially different design for a smartphone. There's the additional functionality addition of a indie filter within the smartphone device. And so that adds additional functionality in combination with distinct new design. And the ND filter right now is in the pro section of the camera app. Do you think that that is something that the mass consumer market needs to use as well? It's a great question. And uh, it's been really interesting to see the response around it because it's larger than we would have expected. And I think with that, it will also bring an education to more and more potential users. So it will be something that more and more users find out about and then want to test out and see and potentially play with. And for us, it also shows us that this is an area that we can focus further on in terms of refining and creating greater functionality within the device. Why did you choose to unveil this at the Consumer Electronics Show? This is a, a change for us. It's a first time for us to create a concept device. And what we hope to do is to be able to show what we're working on and what we're exploring at an earlier stage and be able to show that to both media but also users. And the response is super valuable. We expected that and it's been probably even more than we could have thought. So that's something that we want to be able to continue doing. And that feedback, that information helps guide us in terms of delivering the most optimal user experience and value for users and what we might be exploring. The reason I asked about CES is we see a lot of concepts at this show, and some of them are, someday we'll have flying cars, and some of them are, we actually intend to make a product like this relatively soon. And I'm wondering, on that spectrum, uh, where, where does this phone land? For us, our approach and exploration is looking at features and functionality and an exploration that we hope can ultimately be uh, efforts that can come to life and be beneficial for all consumers. So with this specifically, this technology, uh, a lot of it has been in development for quite a while. And uh, from a uh, material perspective, is close to uh, a state of being ready for the market. But there's still a significant amount of testing and validation that needs to be done on the overall device holistically and all of the hardware and software functionality together to get it up to the standard that we want before we would launch it for consumers, in the case of the concepts phone specifically. Is this going to come to a consumer phone? I believe it will. There's more like a yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he said, definitely said yes. So What's also awesome about this is there's been a lot of feedback of additional ideas for what the functionality of the glass or the smartphone could be. So that gives us even more confidence and more excitement in trying to apply what we've been working on here into products that can go into the hands of consumers. So I asked for questions on, on Twitter, and we, we have some from the audience. Uh, it strikes me this is branded with McLaren, and one of the questions I got was, why do smartphone companies and car companies co-brand products so much? What do, you, what do both sides get out of that arrangement? In looking at this concept device specifically and the partnership with McLaren, the electrochromic glass actually comes from the inspiration of their car, the 720S, and its sunroof. And so when we had 
the idea of potentially applying this to the phone, that's something that was brought into discussions with them and able to hear their suggestions and feedback onto how or what it could mean for the smartphone device. And then the development happened on the OnePlus side. Did any engineers from McLaren help you develop this product? Would you like to see More for inspiration and input on overall design and application of materials, which did come from the engineering side. So then it was the engineering side hearing their recommendations per the glass material and, and the leather material, which is also from the smartphone, or sorry, from the car, and how that could be integrated into the device and then developed from the OnePlus side. And what we see with this device is in your hand, it feels very complete. Uh, it's very much a concept device that we've approached and trying to create something that looks and feels and is very complete. And part of that is the input that they had on the application of the leather and then the hand stitching of the leather on the back and the way that that then feels in the hand, it's distinctly different. This is a weird one. Um, I heard you spent 18 months developing this. That's a big investment in R&D for what seems like a small feature. Are there, are there other ideas that were left on the cutting room floor because they weren't worth 18 months of investment? Are there other wacky ideas that you're like, no, we don't, we don't need to try that? For the R&D teams, this is part of just their process of work. Um, there are ideas, exploration. Some are continued. Some are put aside and maybe reconsidered. Some are just canceled and abandoned. And a good example of this is the 90 hertz refresh rate display on the 7 Pro. That's something that was brought to life with the launch in May of last year, but the actual research and development on that started three years ago. So a lot of time before the technology comes to market, there's already research, exploration, and then eventually that new tech being brought to life. There are a couple of concepts, staying in the realm of concepts, that other companies are doing. Uh, and I'm thinking specifically of folding phones. Is there, do you think that that's silly? Do you think it's not ready yet? Foldable is actually an example of something that we have looked into but not pursued, as we were just asking about for in the last question. And that's because in looking into the application of what's currently available for foldable screen technology, we haven't found the significant advantage or value that's brought that isn't outweighed by the shortcomings or the disadvantages of the current state of the technology. What do you think has to change about the technology to change that ratio? One point to focus on here in response to the question, if you look at the fold and the current foldable technology devices, it's very large and not very clean or a very crisp fold. And that also currently results in a lot of screen creasing or issues with where the fold is in the screen. So this isn't something that I can accept in products that are built. Only when the technology is able to get to the level where that fold can be really crisp and not impact the screen at where the fold happens is when it could be potentially usable or potentially uh, applicable. I just want you to know if you're listening to this, Pete, Pete just fold, <laughs> like straight up folded a CES badge in half. Yeah. <laughs> Saying that with the curve at this side, you can't see it, but if yeah. it's not a very clean curve, yeah. then the fold, if the fold isn't clean, it can't be have you acceptable at, in what's seen. Have you looked at some of the other strategies where instead of the big curve, the screen actually moves in and out? I think the, the Motorola Razor, the screen actually moves when you fold it, the screen actually pulls up so it can make that tighter fold. Is that something you'd consider? Just to showcase that the, the Motorola Fold is 
different in that it's from, I guess, top to bottom yeah. versus left to right. Um, but what Pete's saying is that the fold is still not a clean crease yeah. um, to the degree that he would want and a product that he would make. So even though their application is slightly different, um, it's still facing that same challenge for the actual fold part, including the screen material itself. Because it's a plastic material, its ability to have the scratch resistance of mm -hmm. glass just isn't there yet either. So it seems like for many years with OnePlus, we've been talking about cameras. Obviously, every year, more cameras get put on the flagship phones. Are you thinking that you need to spend more time improving the core camera tech? You need to add more lenses. How is that competition shaping out as you compete with the flagship phones but maintain your price advantage? For us, imaging is an area that we've focused very strongly on historically and one that we're making very large investments into. I'm not of the perspective that more cameras equals better, but I do see that camera functionality can potentially be improved by certain new camera technology that's integrated into the device, which sometimes is uh, requiring an additional camera sensor to be added. But for example, five cameras on a device, I mean, I'm, Pete was questioning, like, I'm not sure if that's what makes sense right now, but definitely for a focus on software and camera algorithms, that's an area that we will continue focusing on for improvement. So the algorithm side, obviously, computational photography, Google is doing its HDR, Apple's doing its HDR. They're spending a lot of money on the software side of how the camera works. Is that something that you can compete with? Is it something that you have to make a different kind of investment in as you make the next generation of cameras? Uh, we will have our own approach. We definitely are very much taking a approach of large investment into both camera team and the focus on software and algorithms. We have a large imaging team in Taipei and Taiwan. Um, and more than that, we're working with partners who are the best of the best in terms of imaging and algorithms. And so from our perspective, not everything can be done to the absolute best just ourselves. We need to work with the best in the industry. So that's how we're taking our own approach and taking our own approach with partnership to camera aspects like HDR, as you mentioned, and other functionality. So one of the reasons I asked is electrochromatic glass is expensive, camera sensors are expensive, developing your own algorithms, the big team in Taipei is expensive, but historically OnePlus has managed to be very, very price competitive. Prices are starting to creep up. Is there a ceiling of how expensive a flagship OnePlus phone would be? Do you think we'd ever see like a $1,000 OnePlus phone? The trend in the industry is that with more performance and more functionality for devices, it's increasing the prices for everyone. So for smartphones to continue increasing in prices, including ours, is definitely not out of the realm of impossibility. What we want to take as an approach is making sure that we create the best possible product for all users everywhere and still have what keeps OnePlus unique um, in our sort of model of business that doesn't focus so much on traditional marketing or where companies might have traditionally very large expenditures. And that makes us more efficient. And those operational model advantages are then able to be passed on as savings to consumers at the end of the end of the day. Speaking of, of models, in, in the US, a lot of big phone makers hold themselves to one or two big phone releases a year. Uh, with the the OnePlus 7, I think there's six versions, if, depending on how you count it. There's the 7, the 7 Pro, the 7 Pro 5G, the 7T, 
the 7T Pro and the 7T Pro 5G McLaren edition. Uh, why do you release so many different iterations of your phones? If we look at it actually from device skew count, we should be the very lowest in the whole industry. In 2019 though, we launched a Pro line for the first time, which for OnePlus is an exploration of the absolute possible limits of technology and what that can bring for consumers in the Pro products. That did add an additional skew or skews to our lineup. And in addition to that, 2019 is also a transitionary year of 4G to 5G, which also adds kind of a complication and additional skews of products. But that's something that every manufacturer has faced. So for every manufacturer that's released 5G products, it's added additional SKUs for the creation of those products and their capabilities. Do you think you're, you'll stick with, do you like the sort of number and then the, you have the, the T variant that, that comes a little bit later, that sort of TikTok strategy? Does that, does that feel like the right cadence to you of releases? Well, Mrs. This can potentially change in the future, especially when we're looking at transition to 5G and our company growing and having more partners and more channels to work with. But what won't change is us always trying to deliver the very best and the very latest in what's available. That's at the principle of our approach in timing and in what's best fitting for the circumstances of the world and the market and the smartphone industry at the time. So that's what will remain consistent. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Design for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So I definitely want to talk about 5G. We'll do that in a minute. It's like all I want to talk about. I've got a million questions. But uh, two very popular questions from our audience on Twitter. The phones are getting bigger. 5G phones keep getting bigger. Do you ever think about making another smaller phone? I think it has to go back to how we look at... I think we need to look at how small is defined. From my perspective, Pete's saying it's the ability for the device to really fit in the hand and for the hand to really be able to wrap around it. So the, the width of the device... Uh, matters a lot there. And 
can't go into details, but we can say that there will be an exploration from OnePlus that we can all look forward to on this front. Will that exploration have a headphone jack? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no. You don't need to translate that question. You're just like, no, Eli, no, absolutely not. I know what you're saying. And then the, the, by far the number one question people ask me on Twitter, uh, well, it's two parts. Why no wireless charging in these phones? Because our wired charging is too good. Wow. <laughs> Bold. What we've been focused on is bringing fast wireless charging and that fast charging experience to wireless. The issue to overcome, though, is the heat in that process. So that's very much what we've been focused on trying to create a solution for. I've tried 10 watt charging for wireless and I can't get used to it. I feel like it's too slow and it's just not worth it compared to plugging it into warp charge and that fast charging experience. So it was a short answer and then a long answer. I just want to be clear because the warp charging answer, this was the second part of my question. People like warp charging. Uh, they're into it, but they're asking when will you support USB-C PD because that's not supported on the phone right now. PD. The big advantage of warp is that it's fast without creating a lot of heat on the device. So even under intensive circumstances like gaming, you can still game for hours and not have the issues of heat on the device. The compatibility of PD would create is significant heat on the device, particularly under intensive circumstances like gaming. So that, that would be the drawback. I'm not totally sure on all of the advantages and disadvantages to the compatibility and what it would mean in terms of increasing costs as well as the difficulty of making it happen. But it's something that we'll continue exploring. All right, now i got to ask about five. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> we're, we're here. I ask everybody this question. We are often told 5G is a race. Do you think it's a race? And if so, why is it a race? I don't see it as a race. I see 5G as a foundational technology and an inevitable transition for the industry, particularly for flagships. What happens if we come in second in the race? Is it something bad? Second meaning? Well, if it's a race, someone comes in first. I'm, I've, uh, I ask everybody the same set of questions. No one <laughs> tells me it's a race, but I'm always curious, if it is a race, what is the downside of coming in second? I, I see it as a critical part of being a true flagship. It's foundational and required. So. I don't see it as a race. Even though we can be looked at as leading in 5G and coming to the market earliest or very early with products, I don't see it as a race. And you guys have seen that we were the first of smartphones or among the first with the T-Mobile 600 megahertz low band 5G network. It's very clear that you think it's not a race, but that you've won the race. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm getting out of this. So the T-Mobile the mid-band, that's their network. There's a lot of millimeter wave action in the world. I don't think anybody yet has both networks lit up and operating at the same time. There's certainly no phone. How do you think of that, those strategies of 5G in the future? Are you going to be able to support them both soon? Are they going to be rivals? Are they going to be complementary? I'm curious for your perspective. From my perspective, in the long term, there has to be an integration of being able to support both. And that's best for consumers. How long will that take? Hard to say. I would say conservatively three years. The phones, but the network. Three years before there's a phone that can support both millimeter wave and 600 megahertz. The smartphones will have the capability to support both more quickly. But for it's hard to speak on behalf of the operators and their plans. But I see that that will take longer for them to have both integrated and lots of coverage. When you think about making the next generation of phones that can support both, 
you need radically different antenna designs for the two different systems. What challenges has that presented so far? There's definitely challenges on the design front, um, and it brings in higher cost,、uh, but that will be able to come down over time. Okay, so I'm ending every interview by asking a question to CEOs in particular. It's something that I personally want to know because I don't have a good answer for this. When do you work? When do you sit down and actually do work? When do you type on your laptop and write emails? When do you when do you find that time? Because you're very busy. Make a CEO of those. Every everyone by the way starts laughing when I ask this question. I don't wake up particularly early. <laughs> Usually between the range of eight to nine. Um, but I end up going to bed late, usually twelve to one, or maybe later. And I see myself as always available because we cover markets around the world that cover basically all time zones. So we're always online. Sometimes the U.S. team is waking me up at two a.m. for a meeting. That's the reality. So that's a lot of complicated problems to solve in areas around the world and markets that you serve. How are you organized to operate that, that way? How's how's One Plus organized to serve all those markets and needs? For us, it goes back to a focus on making the best possible product and offering that to all markets. What I believe in is that every market around the world has a consistency in wanting a great product, and great products can be applicable to all markets.、Um, I don't believe that products, great products, have barriers in terms of country lines or geographies. So that's what it has to go back to. And Apple's a great example here. They have fans everywhere. So do you. So our product positioning may be different, but there is very much parallels in terms of trying to create the best possible user experience that we can with whatever we do. Okay, I'm going to ask one more time. When do you sit down and do your email? <laughs> <laughs> I had more morning meetings than before, so I've gotten up a bit earlier to do email. So around that eight o'clock time frame, get some email done. And then I have the morning meetings. I hate this answer because it means I have to start doing that too. Every <laughs> successful person is waking up early to do their email. I I think it's to me it's the most fascinating question because everyone is different, but it seems like there's a consistency of answers. So what should、uh, OnePlus fans be looking out over the next few months? The last question: What should people be looking for from OnePlus over the next few months? I'm always focused on product, so I think people should be excited about what's coming in the future for product and the experiences that that product will bring. Great. Well, thank you so much. It was great having you. We'll talk、thank、to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Thank Thanks again to OnePlus CEO Pete Lau for doing his very first ever podcast with us. That makes me feel really special. Thanks especially to his interpreter Eric, and you know, thanks to Nilay for、uh, welcoming me into his house. It was really nice to、uh, hang out on the interview show for once. We're going to have a lot more interview shows this week. Nilay came out to CES and spent the entire time talking to really interesting people about the products that they announced and their plans for the rest of the year. So keep an eye out in the Vergecast feed for all those interviews that are going to be coming over the next few weeks. But of course, the very next show you're going to listen to is the. Chat show, which is going to hit you on Friday. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans—you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.